Well, good evening, everyone. My name is Esteban. Thank you. Good evening. Uh, my name is Esteban Garcia. Let me put this down here. And I'm one of the pastors at Bloomington Bible Church. We meet here uh, in town at the Northwest YMCA. And um, as I start, I just want to say thank you for having me. Thank you for inviting me to come and share God's word with you. Uh, thank you for giving me your attention to and your ears to hear. I hope uh, it is helpful, and I really do consider it a privilege. So I hope it'll be a blessing to you to uh, be in God's Word this morning. So if you have your Bibles, would you open it with me to James chapter 2? I hear that you've been in James 1 for quite some time, and we're going to turn the page, go to page uh, chapter 2, and we're going to make it through hopefully 13 verses this evening. So we're going to be in James 2. Chapter, uh, verses 1 to 13. Uh, now, before we read, let me also just say, I'm really glad that you guys are studying God's Word. There's really nothing better that you guys could spend your time doing, especially in college. There's a lot of things that can take your time. There's a lot of things that can take your attention and distraction. And being under God's Word is the most important and impactful thing that you're going to do in college, far none. I was at IU 2010 to 2014. Uh, and I learned some things. I was an econ major, and I don't do anything with economics anymore. But let me tell you, this is the, these were the years where God grasped my heart for ministry, for his heart, and so I hope that that is the case for you, and it all starts with God's word. So I hope that this evening, as we look at God's word, uh, that you will grow, that we will grow together in wisdom, and as you put your faith into practice, that you will see this, and that many people will be able to see this in you, and God glorified uh, through you. So let's read, and then I will pray once again. James chapter 2, it reads, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith? and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But... If you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Let's pray. 
Father, this evening, would you give me the words to say? Would you give me the words that would be helpful and edifying, that would honor you, that would magnify your name and the great work that you've done for us, Father? Father, I don't know everybody in the room. Um, it's good to see some familiar faces, but Lord, you know everybody here. You know exactly the situation that they find themselves in. You know what they're thinking. You know what they're distracted by. You know the cares and concerns of their hearts, the trials that they're going through. And Father, I just pray that this evening we would set our eyes on you and on your word and that you would do a great work in our hearts. Father, if you would not go before us, Lord, then let us not go. But with confidence, Lord, let us dig into your word and may we honor you and serve you as you called us to. So we ask for your help this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. So the big command in this passage is found right there in verse 1. Show no partiality. So most of this message will basically be contained by this. Show no partiality and what this looks like. But let me give you a big picture overview of where we're going this evening. So one, show no partiality. Instead, okay, put off partiality and instead, love your neighbor as yourself. Thirdly, don't be partial to God's law. Obey all of it. Not just a part, all of it. And lastly, speak and act as if you're the recipient of great mercy. So, show no partiality. Let's read verse 1 again. My brothers, and he's talking to Christians here, and he calls them to show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Now, what's partiality? Would you guys see it if you saw it? Do you recognize it in your hearts? What is it? Well, let me give you my definition. Partiality is treating people differently based on a faulty standard. Okay, and that's important. Based on a faulty standard. Now, other words that we can use to relay the same meaning. So some other versions of the Bible use these words and are helpful. So you can use words like prejudice. Okay, do not show prejudice. Do not show favoritism. And probably my favorite one, do not be a respecter of persons. Do not be a respecter of persons. We'll look at that one in a little bit, and it's like, where did that one come from? Hopefully we'll see that together. Now, what does partiality look like? Well, our passage gives us a pretty clear example, right? So you have, in this passage in James, you have a two men walking into the room. You have a rich man, and a poor man, one in fine clothing and one in shabby clothing. And then we have the example of the man in James who pays attention. In other words, he looks favorably upon the rich man, but despises the poor. And what, is that, what does our passage say? Verse 4, then it shows that you have made distinctions among yourselves and you have become judges with evil thoughts. Not just that, verse 9 tells us, if you show partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. So the command is clear, right? There is no room in the Christian life for partiality. None whatsoever. But now the thing that I want to imprint upon you is that all of you do this. All of you are guilty of favoritism, 
partiality, prejudice, whatever you want to call it, it, le- it lives in each and every one of your hearts. Now you may say, well, you know, I don't show partiality to the rich or the poor. I try to de- treat everybody pretty much the same. Well, let me ask you a couple questions because I think all of us judge by faulty standards. So let me ask you, do you judge a man's character by their race or their ethnicity? Do you treat people differently based on the level of influence that they have or social standing or whether they're well-respected in the community? Do you think that those with more education are better, more worthy of respect? How about older and younger? Do you honor those who are older? Do you just give regard to the younger and your peers? Or how about this, right? I don't know, um, I don't know exactly how CSF works and your guys' clicks and the social culture of CSF, maybe a little bit here and there, but it would not be surprising to me if the popular ones and the ones that are well-liked by the house were treated better than the ones who were on the fringe. Maybe you're the one on the fringe and you say, I'm not treated like that person is. Do you show grace to your close friends and are quick to ask for forgiveness and show them mercy, but then with everybody else, you're harsh and it's hard for you to see the good in them. You treat them with contempt. Okay, I hope these questions are helpful and they help you to examine yourself and consider how your actions show that you think that some people are actually worthy of more respect than others and where you're wrong on that one. Because the truth, again, is that you all do this. Every one of you does this. And the first step is recognizing it. So if you're with me and you're recognizing it, the second step is understanding why you do this. All right, so why do you show partiality? Let's start with this. Why does the man in James show partiality to the poor man rather than the, the rich man rather than the poor? Okay, I think you all probably can understand you. All felt the temptation, right? Here's a rich man with great influence, great power, and there's the poor man. I'm going to try to talk and gain favor from the rich man. In other words, we treat others differently if we think we can get something from them. The man in James looked favorably upon the rich rather than the poor because he thought he could gain favor from the rich man, right? The rich man could give him something. The poor had nothing to give him. So he had something to gain himself. Therefore, he showed partiality. Now the same goes for you. When you show partiality, you do this because there is something in it for you. What is that, though, for you? Maybe it's not riches. Maybe you show partiality so that other people will like you more. Maybe you show partiality to gain respect from others. Maybe to move up the social ladder. Maybe to gain favor with your boss once you go off into the workplace. So going back to why I like the translation of respecter of persons, this is why I think it hits to the heart. It hits to why we do this. When you show partiality, you are saying that man can give you 
what only God can. You treasure the respect and the admiration of your peers rather than the favor of God. And so you treat people differently as a result. But brothers and sisters, why would you settle for that? Right? When you think about it, why would you settle for the respect of man when you can have God on your side? Why would you settle for man's favor when you can have God's favor instead? Right? Isn't one so much better than the other? Of course it is. So one of my calls to you this evening is do not fear man. Do not fear man. All right? Man can add nothing to you. Absolutely nothing to you. And there's a great temptation for all of you to live for the respect of man and therefore show partiality. But if you live for that, you will inevitably fall into the sin of partiality. Now, what does the passage say? It is clear. Show no partiality. You must stop showing partiality. You must stop your prejudice. You must, you must stop your favoritism. And I could just stop it there, right? And we could go home. But thankfully, God's word has a lot more help than just that, all right? So I'm going to look at four reasons why, four reasons why we should not show partiality, okay? God's word actually encourages us and strengthens us in this because God is for us in this endeavor. So four reasons why you should not show partiality. And the first one from verse one is that it is contrary to the Christian faith. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. All right, James is telling us that favoritism stands opposed to faith in Jesus. It is not becoming of a Christian to show prejudice. Okay, and why is that? Reason number two, it is just a foolish endeavor. It is just foolish, foolish, foolish to try to show favoritism to gain the respect of man. Okay, let's read verses six and seven there. If you have your Bible with you, it reads, but you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? Okay, in other words, the man in James has it completely backwards. Instead of honoring the one whom God honors, the one that loves God, right, the one that God has set apart his kingdom for himself for those who love him, the man in James honors the ones who oppresses him, who wants to drag him into court, the ones who persecute him, right? It doesn't make any sense. It is backwards. And this is a good picture of what sin does to you. Okay, sin looks so enticing, and it promises all these great things to you, but you end up getting dragged into court. Your sin just enslaves you. So I'm going to take a little aside now and just encourage you in this. Don't be like the world. Don't be like the world in this. The world is off on partiality. And this bears a little bit more discussion for us, so I think hopefully it'll be helpful. But the world thinks that they're doing great in this area, right? The world is all about don't show any discrimination, and if you do, that is the greatest thing that you could ever commit. The world thinks that they're the champions against discrimination and racism, right? And again, there is no room for racism in the Christian life. 
And we'll see why. But in reality, the world is still off on this because they don't have the right standard. They don't judge as God judges. They are their own judges with evil thoughts. Okay, think about it. Why is it so wrong to be impartial? Okay, God's word tells us it's wrong, right? So we know it's wrong, but, but why is it wrong? Ask the world, why is this so wrong? And they will not have a consistent answer. Their worldview cannot call things evil when there's no moral standard, right? So, my encouragement to you, don't try to appease the world. Don't seek to, don't seek to live by the world's judgments and standards. That is way too low for you. You do not settle for what the world wants you to think. You live for what God calls you to live for. You judge with God's standards. Now, does that mean that you treat everybody the same always, no matter what? Like, if you actually go deep, deeper into it, and we don't have time to get into this, but no. You don't always treat everybody the same every single time, but the, the goal is to judge by God's standards. Because the thing is that God sees what man cannot see. God does not care about your appearance. God does not care about your worldly accomplishments how great of a person you might think you are, God does not see any of that. God cares about your heart. And God will judge based on your heart. So don't rely on the world's standards and don't rely on your own standards. If you live by God's standards and you try to judge by God's word, then you can maintain the distinctions that God has made and live rightly. And this is so important. If you do not get this right, you will not live as a Christian. And you will not be a good example to non-believers about what it looks like to live as a Christian, to show love to the world. Because ultimately, you'll just be living for yourself. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Why is prejudice wrong? I didn't answer the question, but it's, we, you should know why it's wrong. Why is prejudice wrong? The Christian worldview has the right answer. Prejudice is wrong because man is created in God's image right? Therefore, when you belittle what God has created, the image of God, because of external factors, the standards that we make that don't really matter, what you're doing is you're dishonoring God and that which he has made. So don't show partiality because it stands contrary to your faith. Number two, don't show partiality because it is a foolish endeavor. Number three, don't show partiality because it is contrary to Christian love. It is contrary to Christian love. Look at verses 8 and 9 with me. And it reads, If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you should love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. All right, so here we got verse 8 saying, Love your neighbor as yourself. Right, which have you heard this before? Of course you have. Isn't that amazing? God's word is consistent. It's consistent, and you hear this throughout. The whole law can be summarized in these words. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? This is important, too. By the way, you guys are going to get to the next section of James 2, right? Pretty controversial section of James 2. And God's word does not contradict itself. Okay? James does not contradict Paul. God's word is one because God is one. 
So love your neighbor as yourself. If you do that, you're doing well. But if you show partiality, okay, the opposite, if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. So verse 8 shows us what's at the heart of one that shows partiality. Again, when you show favoritism, you show that you're loving yourself and not others. Partiality is the opposite of Christian love. And so you must put off partiality and put on God's love. Again, think about why you do this. Okay, go back to why do I show partiality? You do this because there's something in it for you. And if you're doing this for you, that is self-love. That is not love of others. It is selfish. It all stands contrary to Christian love. Which leads us to number four. Do not show partiality because it is contrary to God's character. If you will turn there the slide to Romans chapter 2, we're going to look in the side. Because the amazing thing too, again, God's word is consistent. God's word throughout shows us that we should not be partial because God is not partial. Romans 2, 9 through 11, it's up on the screen, and it reads, There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek, but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek. Okay, so you hear this. Evil, there will be judgment for the evildoer. doesn't matter where you come from. And there will be good for the good, like for the one who does good. There will be glory and honor. It doesn't matter where you come from. Verse 11, for God shows no partiality. God shows no partiality. That means he will judge the guilty without prejudice. This is where we turn a little bit in our section. Because what's the problem with that? That God will judge without prejudice. Well, the problem we just talked about is you're all guilty. And you aren't just guilty of little things. Okay? If you, maybe you haven't come with me so far and you're like, I'm not sure where I show partiality. Let me show you. You are guilty of great things. In fact, the, our passage here says you are guilty of breaking the whole law of God. Do you still think you're doing pretty well by yourself? Let's look at verses 9 through 11. If you show partiality, again, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law's transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law, all right, you think you're doing well, I'm keeping the whole law. Guys, look how well I'm doing, but fails in one point. Okay, God's law is big, and you fail in one point. What does our passage say? But fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. All of the judgment of all of the laws, you, become, you have become accountable to all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. All right, here's the problem. You are all impartial to God's law too. You think, again, you're doing well, when in reality you're falling short. And you're accountable for all of God's law, breaking the whole law. 
Now, why does that happen? Sometimes that happens because you reduce God's law to just a few laws here and there, right? As long as I'm not doing those really big and scandalous sins, like, I should be pretty good, right? Or maybe you generalize God's law, and you just think, well, as long as I'm being a kind and nice person and I treat others well, like, that's all of God's law. The problem is that you ignore the commands of God that are actually harder for you to obey, that hit you hard, where your flesh wants to wrestle with you and tell you that you're okay, but you're not. Let me give you a freebie, okay? I remember the first time that somebody opened Hebrews 13, 17 with me. Okay, and I thought in college I was doing pretty well. Sorry, I don't have that up on the screen. That's kind of recent. So. But let me read you what it says. And this is in the context of your church and the elders. And it reads, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you, okay? I had never heard of that before. I'd read the Bible before and never once considered the fact that I was not submitting myself to my leaders. I was not trying to obey the leaders that God had put set forth in my life. I thought I was doing pretty well and I could do the Christian life all on my own. Again, you think you're doing well. And then you realize... Am I submitting myself to the elders of my church? Am I even a part of a church? And let me tell you, that's one of the most important things that all of you need to know, that the church is God's creation. God loves the church, and God is the instrument that God, he brings to keep the purity of God's truth. And so if you have not submitted yourself to a church, I encourage you, that is one of the most important things that you can do as a Christian. I went 20 years without really ever being a committed member of a church, and I thought I was doing just fine. And then at 20 years, this hit me, and I realized just how, fall, how, how short I've fallen. Okay, don't be like Rehoboam, right, in 1 Kings 12, okay, because the temptation for all of you, and I was in college too, right? I'm old now, but I was in college too. I was in your shoes, and it's really easy to just hear your peers and just to do what your peers want you to do, people that are just as old as you are. But in reality, if you want to grow in wisdom, you need to ask older men and older women to help you. Ladies, you have to have older women, like in Titus 2, that teach you God's word, how to be holy. Guys, you need accountability. You need older men to teach you, to keep you accountable. So again, don't be like Rehoboam who dis disregarded the counsel of the elderly, the elders, and instead went with the counsel of his peers. And what happened to him, if you're familiar with that story, he lost the kingdom because of it. There's great consequences for this. So don't be impartial to God's law. Seek to love all of it and obey all of it. And again, the problem is you think you're righteous because you don't cuss. Right? You've never killed anybody. And that's your standard. And yet, greed lives in your heart. Gossip is just rampant. You're self-righteous and you don't even know it. That's what Jesus was trying to do in the Sermon on the Mount too, right? 
You think you're doing fine because you haven't killed your neighbor? But if you're angry against your brother, right, Jesus elevates that, the importance of it. Your heart matters to God. You are a transgressor of God's law. And you should know that. You are all transgressors of God's law. And because God will not show partiality, every one of us, myself included, deserves God's judgment. And God will not show you favoritism because you go to church or because you read your Bible every other day or because you grew up in a Christian family. That is not what God looks at. If you want to live with God for all of eternity, do you know what's required of you? You have to obey all of God's law. Not just some of it. Okay, Galatians 3.10, this is what it says. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Okay, in order to get, enter the kingdom of heaven, you must be perfect. Guess what? Jesus tells us in Matthew 5.48, you must be perfect. You must be completely holy and righteous. But I just told you you're not. And you're sitting here and you're saying, but what hope is there for me? And hopefully this is the moment where it turns from maybe being a downer of a message to an encouraging message for you. Because there is hope for you, but not found in you, outside of you. What hope is there for you? Your hope is in the one who was perfect for you. Jesus Christ is the one, the only one, who perfectly obeyed all of God's law. He kept every single one of God's commands. He was able to do what you could not do. And not just that, because he was perfect, he did not deserve to die. There was no sin in him that was worthy of death. But he saw that you were. And so he willingly, out of love, with joy, he gave himself on that cross to pay the penalty that you deserve to pay. Right? You were the transgressor. You should have been on that cross. But Jesus said, I will take his place. I will take her place. Jesus bore God's wrath for you as a transgressor. And then, no, the amazing thing, right? Not only does he take away your sins, right? He takes them away. You are forgiven. You're not just a clean slate. I just told you, you have to be perfect. You have to be righteous. God cannot stand to be with non-holy people. God is too holy for that. You have to be holy. And you're not. And Jesus says, I will give you my righteousness. All of my keeping of the law, I will bestow upon you. I will impute this upon you. My righteousness is now yours if only you would have faith in Christ Jesus and Christ Jesus alone. Because the truth is that the only way to enter into God's kingdom is to have Christ's righteousness. You cannot earn it. It has to be given to you. And so the hope is you can actually experience joy, everlasting joy with your Holy Father because of what Christ has done for you. And again, really good news God shows no partiality. So that means that all of you are called to come. 
You can come to God today. Okay, regardless of your background, regardless of where you have been, and maybe you have, you know, maybe you are a Christian, maybe you have kind of been walking away. God shows no partiality. And he loves those who love him. So will you turn to God? Remember, his grace is enough. No matter where you find yourself, he bids you to come and trust in him. But the most important question is, will you do so? Will you turn to your Savior with faith, knowing that there is nothing good in you, that only he can save you? And so if you could do that, if you trust in him as your Savior, you repent of your sins, repent of your self-righteousness, instead of living in your sins, dead in your sins, unable to make any progress in the Christian life, you're free, right? You are free. You're free from condemnation. You're free from the burdens of the law and your sin that are upon you. You're free because of what Christ has done. You're free to love God and love others. And so again, instead of being the recipient of judgment, of great judgment, in fact, you can be the recipient of great mercy, overwhelming mercy, mercy that you cannot even put into words. Ephesians 2, if you put that on the screen, 2, 4, and 5 reads, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Again, brothers and sisters, it is God who does this. And so, what are you supposed to do with this? Your marching orders? As we conclude, verses 12 to 13. Chapter 2 reads, So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. Again, this freedom that you have. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. I believe that through the series in James, you guys have been talking about how you know, your identity determines your direction, determines your activity. And that is true. So, what is your identity in Christ? You are, again, a great sinner who has been shown greater mercy. And so it follows that because that is your identity, your direction is to show mercy as Christ has shown you mercy. So practically, what does this mean? As a Christian, what does this mean for you? You should be the first to show mercy when wrong. As a Christian, you should be quick and ready to forgive and to reconcile. Again, the world cannot reconcile when there's wrong. There is no way to atone for wrongs outside of Christ. But because you've been forgiven, you can forgive. And you can be the first to ask for forgiveness. And how much more should you be willing to do that with each other, right? With those who are walking with the Lord. Maybe let me ask it to you this way. Would you like to be judged with the same standard that you use for others? Okay, first, would you like to be judged by others with the same standard that you judge other people by? 
Probably not if you're honest with yourself. And now even worse, think about it. Would you want God to judge you with the same standard that you judge others? That would be a scary proposition. There is nothing scarier than God's judgment. You would plead and beg for mercy, right? If you're a Christian, you have come to that point where you recognize that you cannot do anything and God just has to show you mercy. And so if you've been there, why do you treat others with a different standard? Forgive, show mercy, show grace, because it has been given to you first. Just as Jesus loved you and died for you when you were his enemy, how much more should you be willing to love your enemies, your friends, your family members, those who hurt you? And again, as I finish, I'm not trying to minimize anyone's pain, right? I'm not trying to say that there's no real injustices, there's no real offenses that are committed against you. Because of sin, the world is a hard place. And really bad things happen and can't happen to you and probably have happened to you. All of this is not to say that these things are not big deals because they are. And God sees them and God cares for them. And if you want to talk more, I'm happy to talk. I'm sure there's a lot of people that would love to talk with you about these things, right? The fact that it's because these things are so hard, it is impossible for you to do it on your own. It is only possible to do this because Jesus did it first. And your sins against God outweigh any sin, any offense that anyone can do to you. So let him, let him be your strength and your help. And by his help, you can love those who are hard to love. By his help, you can put off partiality. And you can remember that Christ is the one who chose you in him, regardless of anything in you. Okay, It wasn't because of something great in you. He loved you. He showed you mercy before you could even show any source of love towards him. So let Christ be your all. Let me pray. Most gracious Father, we thank you for your word, and thank you, Lord, for your great mercy towards us as sinners. Father, forgive us for our partiality. Forgive us for thinking too highly of ourselves, for thinking that we can use others for our means, for being selfish, for treating others with contempt. Lord, we fall so short of your standards. And yet, Lord, you are such a gracious God, and you've shown us such great mercy. Would you help us to be thankful? Would you help us to be in awe of just how great you have loved us, Lord? And so would you help us to actually extend that love to others? Would you help us to be men and women who act like Christians and who extend mercy and love to those who don't deserve it? I pray for your help this evening. In Jesus' name, amen.